The Nazi party used radios to spread its message to new followers, especially pushing the argument that Germany had been wronged by the Treaty of Versailles. Alongside posters, school programs, and other more obvious forms of indoctrination, the radio allowed for subliminal and less direct messaging. Similarly, compulsory films in school for children accompanied mandatory listening to Hitler's speeches over the radio. In 1923, the creation of German public broadcasting soon led to the establishment of regional broadcasting companies. By the end of 1924, nine companies existed. Radio broadcasting was state-regulated by the Reich Radio Company, with 51% owned by the Ministry of Posts and the other 49% by the nine companies who controlled program content. The increase in frequency strength combined with the information and entertainment available on radio led to widespread radio consumption of the medium in Germany during the mid to late 1920s. A fee was required to listen starting in January 1924, but content was non-political until 1929. Radio exhibitions began in 1924 and were later used by the Nazis to encourage and manipulate radio ownership and usage. The Nazi party did not begin using the radio until after the presidential elections that took place in 1932. During this time, there was still an anti-Nazi element to radio messaging that resulted in a positive outcome for Paul von Hindenburg. The opponents of the Nazi party used radio to try to denounce the latter's referendum against the Treaty of Versailles in 1929. German state radio was fully nationalized in 1932 under von Papen as chancellor. During the election of February and March of 1933, Joseph Goebbels, the propaganda minister of the Nazi party, blocked parties other than the Nazi party from transmitting political broadcasts. Hitler's speeches were broadcast often in outdoor forums during that election. Radio broadcasts of marches, rallies, and public demonstrations were meant to give the impression of mass popularity in a peer pressure type tactic to get votes in the 1933 election. This was much more effective than when Hitler delivered a speech in an empty room, which didn't come across as well on radio. After a victory in this election and the further tactics that followed, the Nazis were able to seize power in June 1933, broadcasting became part of the Ministry of Propaganda. Goebbels oversaw the replacement of hostile radio managers and reporters with Nazi supporters, and by April 1934, all regional companies became unified under the Nazi ideology. Its slogan became, A Radio in Every German House. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Down the Rabbit Hole. My name is Big D. And I'm Brandon. It's good to have everybody along. I hope you are having a wonderful summer. It is the 4th of July today. It is, it is. As we record this. So happy 4th of July to everybody. And oddly enough, our show today is about propaganda. And if we really want to go down the rabbit hole, 4th of July is, is some American propaganda. And just a smidge. There's, you know, there's good propaganda, there's bad propaganda, and uh, but the Fourth of July is definitely some some good old Americana propaganda. Not put it, not knocking it. I love no. Fourth of July. We have a great time, but it, it is, um, <laughs> it is a, it is a moment of look at us and how great we are. It is, and I mean, uh, the one thing is too. I mean, it's one of those things that I mean, I wouldn't mind someday really going down a little bit of it, but that a lot of people don't realize that we didn't really the the Fourth of July wasn't really when it happened. Oh no. It was no, just no, no. it happened over a period of a couple like a month to really. Yeah, get they had to, to put a date it. on it, kind of like Christmas, date, yeah. you know, kind of like you know, a lot of holidays: President's Day, Columbus oh, yeah. Day. It wasn't the actual day. You just you no, have to assign a day to it. Oh, it's true, but there's a lot of people that I mean, literally, I've told people this, and they're like, no, like they thought everyone was sitting in a room together and, and it's just signed everything. Everyone, everybody signed it right there. It's like no, it <laughs> no. really actually had to be passed around from. Not everyone was together. It had no. to go to each place to have each person sign it. It took like a while. So. That'd be an interesting, 
uh, topic of discussion, but uh, it'd be it didn't a lot fit happier in, than the Nazis. Didn't fit in with what yeah what we were going to talk about today, which is we've been talking about Nazis in the occult, and uh, today we're going to talk about Nazi propaganda and the occult influence that was involved yeah. in it, which is strange because you wouldn't think how would the occult and propaganda like come together, but oddly enough, it did and. It found its way into the U.S., and we're still seeing um, fallout from it to this very day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were, um, well, honestly, and we've talked about this before, you know, the godfather of propaganda is Edward Bernays, and that was post-World War I. Well, the Nazis honed in on what, um, what Bernays had found out and what he had discovered and used a lot of it. And we'll get into some of that as oh, well. Oh, they did. I mean, if you go back to Mein Kampf, um, Hitler wrote about propaganda and what it should do and how it should be used yep. in Mein Kampf in 1925. Hitler was ahead of the game, man. He was. And it's And I hate to say this, and I've, I've gotten, I can remember doing a report on Hitler in high school and getting so much crap for this. He was a brilliant man. In certain ways. He was a sick, <clears throat> twisted just like, you know, anybody who listened to Mengele, he's different, though. Mengele wasn't that smart. He was actually an <laughs> no. idiot. But with Hitler, Hitler was actually, in in some ways, very brilliant and very, very, uh, very good at getting people he to listen. He was intuitive. He was very intuitive and could read people. Um, and that's one thing. He was really good with the propaganda. He learned in the... Right. In, There's a reason why Hitler got to where he yeah. was. That's not saying he was a good person. No. That's not saying that, that we admire what he did. No. But there was a reason why he got there. Because if he was... If everybody hated him and he was an SOB from the beginning, he would have never got to where he was. No, never. He was a manipulative, uh, very, very smart individual who knew how to play the people. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that actually believe that there, he was, in the beginning anyway, a pawn of a couple of the other guys who basically didn't have the charisma. Right, and then he turned the tables on him. Yeah, he, they, who didn't have the charisma, so they brought him in, part of the Thule Society and stuff like that that we've talked about, brought him in to lead because he had the charisma, and then later... Which they happens a lot. Yeah. I mean, that happens in U.S. politics a lot of times. Well, let's look at our president yeah. now. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a complete figurehead. Oh, he is. There's no there that there's no one home. No, you know that that dude's a that that dude is a shell of a person, and that that's you know he's, I don't care a, about your politics if you can't see he's that he's a puppet. Then we you know I don't know what to do for you because it's it's as obvious as day is long. Anybody who's dealt with anybody in their life who's had dementia, Alzheimer's, uh, any you know. Lack of cognitive skills. You can. You, it's uh, obvious what's going on. I'm with pretty the sure guy. Joe has all of them. He has all of them. He's yeah. not there. He doesn't even know of what he's speaking most of the time. No. It's it's him versus the teleprompter. Yes. And a lot of times he fails. Right. Yeah. He does. He Where, can't. He can't know. even correct himself because he really doesn't know what he's saying. Yeah. Where I mean, Hitler was one of those ones that he could. I mean, if his speeches are in German, so it's really hard to listen to, but. You can still see. The you have way to watch the subtitles. <laughs> you do, but you can still see the way his words and the way he talks and how oh, he yeah. can just rile up a crowd. And I mean, I know it sounds might sound like I'm admiring. I'm admiring what he was able to do, and how he. Yeah, could don't really confuse. Don't please, yeah. Don't, don't confuse with any. There's no admiration here. No, no. He was a sick, twisted. You know, we understand. Yeah. We we're well aware, which is why we're doing this series and why. We think there was a deeper meaning behind just some nefarious people. I think there was a spiritual aspect, a deep, dark spiritual aspect that was going on. And a lot of it was because they drew a lot of their strength and their wisdom and all of their stuff from the occult. Yeah. And that's one reason, too, is really with how charismatic and everything else he is, I have seen a lot of like theories that Hitler died multiple times and that these were that he was replaced by doubles. And there is no way you could recreate that charisma. The look, everything else, but not the charisma and the way he could give no. a speech. I think there were I think there were public events that may have had some doubles. Yes. And and that's common. Uh Castro used that. There's been uh 
who's saying there's been that, lots there was of, a lot of them. lots of world leaders, and we could go down that rabbit hole one day as well. But there's been lots of world leaders who use body doubles. It's pretty well known. Yes. And so the fact that there were so many blatant attempts and people were saying we're going to kill Hitler, it wouldn't shock me if it was just an event that he was sitting at or not not giving a public demonstration if he put out some yeah you know i mean there's there's theories that kennedy had a double there's theories that almost all the presidents have had a double and uh, and many many world leaders so that doesn't shock me at all no it doesn't but i don't think you know like i said some of the theories is that he died and then they just put the double in his place and i don't believe i'm not that. buying that i'm not buying that because like i said the charisma you can't no, you, you can't recreate You that. can't fake that charisma. I mean, that was just something he had. You can only do that with Paul McCartney and the Beatles. Yes, that's it. Right. <laughs> if you go and back and listen to that episode, go back and listen to that episode. That, you'll get that reference. Because <laughs> the Tavistock Institute was in it, so go back and listen to that one, too. Right. John Lennon. There's many of them. Many, yeah. many Beatles. So, uh, hey, I, I honestly I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but you're, you did the, the midweek podcast this last last week i was yes. i was traveling i had lots of family stuff going on it's been stressful but um i'm looking forward to hearing it you did put a warning on that you want to explain I if did, anybody who hasn't listened to it is it that bad is it like what's the i mean deal it's there? one of those things i mean if you listen to the children of god and you had issues with some of the stuff we talked about with children of god you're gonna have is them. it mostly because it deals with the kids it's the kids yeah and it's disgusting it's oh, disturbing it's bad. It's bad. Uh, pretty much by the end of the episode you could um, you can hear that i'm getting like angry just talking about like what this man did yeah. and i mean it is it's disturbing i mean really i i had to like Literally, like, just go, like, turn the shower on as hot as I could get it and lay in it for an hour just to, like, try and get the, the nastiness off me. Well, and so so before we get into today's topic, because one of, one of the things that we run across a lot when you're dealing with the Nazis and you're dealing with the atrocities is there, there's a certain segment of society that are, are deniers that yes. deny that... It, that it was as bad as it's been reported, that it actually happened at all. I've seen things where it's actually the Jews were treated quite nicely, and this was all a ruse, and it was just this, it was anti-propaganda against them. But uh, the proof's there. The proof is there. But so I mean, what, do, what do you say to people who would listen to that and go, mm, I don't know about all of this? Um do some research. Look, the, the you know the and part of what we're going to cover today is why a lot of people believe that is the propaganda that the Germans were able to put out. I mean, they even they, there's proof that they had one of their um, one of their concentration camps was basically a front so that they, if anybody ever wanted to come look at a concentration <laughs> camp to make sure it was good, that's the one they would use. They would right. have the Jews write letters and postcards to their family saying how wonderfully they were being treated right before they pushed him into the gas chamber. Yeah, if you, re if you read the, um, Arch um, the Gulag Archipelago, he talks about that a lot in there, about the propaganda that they, that they would force the prisoners to do. And when they knew a news crew or whatever was coming in, yeah. they handpicked certain people Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they would pick guards and make them look like prisoners yep. to interview or to you know give a give the tour, talk about how great everything was. And if somebody dared step out of line, as soon as the news crew was gone, they were they were done. They yep. were you know they knew they were dead. Yep. If they tried to slip a note, if they you know. So and and that's what a lot of people don't realize. I mean, a lot of people see, oh well, look at this, you know, this here where they had a news crew, they had an investigation team going and look at them. Yeah, but they because they made sure the Nazis made sure they picked the one place that they could make. Well, let's put it into a modern perspective. Nice, Kamala Harris going down, supposedly going down to the border. Yeah. So where does she go? She goes to El Paso, which there's no problem in El Paso. No, the problem is is further south. You know, going down the the other parts of the border. El Paso is not a problem. No. Nobody's rushing in and taking over El Paso, but the rest of it they're taking over people's ranches. They're coming in by but so where does she cho she goes there, gets a photo op and says, "No problem." It's the same kind of thing. It is. You know, fortunately we have free press and we have other people who wander around and go, mm, "Yep, yeah, that's not right," and they don't get killed. 
in Germany, you did. Yes, and that's it. I mean, you know, like we in the, the opening credits, you know, the the little you know soundbite we had there. That is really what happened. Like all of a sudden, Germany, when the Nazis took over, the Nazi Party took control of all media within all of Germany, and it was all pro-Nazi, all anti-Semitic. Um, they had the movies mm-hmm. were taken over by the Nazis. The movies were anti-Semitic yeah. and pro-German. Everything they did, they all made their radio sure programs. Because back then, uh, you know, they had radio dramas, they had radio yep. comedies, they had radio. Uh, shows and you know variety shows and everything every joke was anti-semitic er- yes. it was all anti-gay anti whoever they didn't and like if you didn't if you weren't pro-german and anti-semitic anti-gay anti-pole anti you know you weren't a german gypsies anti-roma um you you were done i mean if you were on the air and you said something that was anti-german anti-nazi you would suddenly uh, be gone the next day it was or that moment the hook would come out. Like, if they, if they were to hear this, we wouldn't be able to finish our no. hour. Mm-mm. And there would be two new people in here do, finishing our hour afterwards saying how great the Nazis were. And, yeah. And how we were, you know, we were horrible people and, and you know, sent from the, the Americans we are. to mess them. We are, but, I mean, that's a whole other story. But we have the right to be that. Yes. Uh, one of the things that I find interesting, because I always like to do the backstory on where we get to the actual meat of the story and... and there's a couple of there's a couple of inroads to the Nazi propaganda, and one of them is a, is a it's an actual thing. Uh, it's called the Frankfurt School, and a lot of this stuff came out of the Frankfurt School. And the Frankfurt School started under the Weimar Republic, basically post World War One, and it was this collection of of scholars who. And, and if you want to really bring it right into today, they're the ones who started all this critical theory, whether it be critical race theory, critical um, thinking theory. Uh, and, and when I say critical thinking, I'm not talking about how we talk about critical thinking. Basically, they're the ones who instituted there is no truth. There is no there are no absolutes there. Uh, it, it, I don't want to get into too deep into what their teaching was. But they had, uh, they basically were challenging any and every institution of thought up to that point in history mm-hmm. and going counter to it. And it was a small group. They were poo pooed. They, they, nobody was taking them serious. However, there were several of them who were uh, influential in later in the Nazi party. Now, this. If you really want to go down the rabbit hole, and I may do this on one of my own, the what the damage that the Frankfurt School has done and is continuing to do today in the U.S. is immeasurable. It's unbelievable. Very, very, very much into the Marxist philosophy, very big into Marxism, socialism, and all this stuff. They were proponents of all this stuff. They're the ones who started uh, the basically the, the 60s revolution here and and all over the world. But they, post-World War I, they were very big into social change and, and to radically base, uh, questioning what was the norm. And this is where a lot of their people started catching the ear of the, the early, we'll call them Nazi party. They weren't the Nazi party at the time. Because in order to flip a society... There, there's a. It's not easy. It, it takes generations and it takes decades. And so, if you come on too strong, people catch on. So it has to be this subtle and what they call the slow march. And the Frankfurt School is the one who drew up the plans for this. And then several of them became members of the Nazi Party. And others of them, when they realized what the Nazis were doing, they actually yanked the school out and they came to New York. Because uh, they were they they were they realized they unleashed a monster, but they never stopped <laughs> they never stopped their teaching, but they realized oh my gosh what have we started here, so that's one inroad. The other inroad is our our good friend Edward Bernays, <clears throat> and if you haven't heard our show on Edward Bernays, you have to go back and hear it. Yeah, he is it, it it's frightening. I read that book probably every four or five months, at least twice a year, to remind myself 
of exactly what is being done to us and to the people through propaganda. And this guy, Edward Bernays, he wrote the book, Propaganda and Crystallizing Public Opinion. Goebbels, who became the minister of propaganda for the Nazis, was a student. Not, not, he didn't, Bernays didn't know it. But what he wrote, and when his book got around, Goebbels became fascinated by it and became a student of it and used it in his ministry of propaganda because Edward Bernays was so successful. He was so successful in changing people's minds, changing people's habits, changing entire, the, the, the way society looked at things and the way they bought things, the way they processed information, the way they made decisions. If you don't believe me, it still affects you to this day. Go back, listen to that episode, read yeah. his book. You will be shocked. And, and it's, look, it's not a knock. I've, that's why I read it twice a year, because it's easy to fall back into it. It is. I mean, it's one of those things I remember when we were studying it, that as you're reading it, you're like, hey, you know, I noticed this happened this morning. And I noticed that, you know, the, 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 this political party doing this today. And I noticed this political party doing this yesterday. And it, you notice really quick how our government uses and the government parties, but sales businesses yes businesses um any 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 ministry that were the health ministry the department of transportation ministry it's all of it they use it all, all a lot of the um things that have been set up in business such as like the um uh well if you get in trouble and you have to go to what what human resource and human services or whatever, yeah. all that was set HR. up HR, all that was set up uh, through the, the propaganda stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it's like I said, it's, you know, um, Hitler knew all about it. I mean, Hitler, Hitler had to deal with it in the, a little bit in the 30s. See, you've got the same thing right there that I was just about to read, too. Oh, go ahead. Read it. So this is what he said in Mein Kampf. This is from Mein Kampf. Which, if you don't know Mein Kampf is, that's pretty much Hitler's book on how to take over the world, basically. If you've never read Mein Kampf, I highly recommend it. Uh, there's a lot of uh, condensed versions. Don't get those because no. they cut out most of the really important stuff. Get like a literal translation of Mein Kampf. And I'm not saying read it because it, it's, it's a valuable piece. The value in it is to realize how horrible it is. Yes. How awful it is. And the mind that went behind it that shifted a lot of the world. You know, it's like the old saying goes, keep your enemies, you know, your friends close and your enemies closer. You, you have to understand, you know, your enemies. And, I mean, if, if the Nazis aren't your enemy, then th th we need to have a conversation. <laughs> but um, here's what it says. So, propaganda must always address itself to the broad masses of the people. All propaganda must be presented in a popular form and must fix its intellectual level so as not to be above the heads of the least intellectual of those to whom it is directed. Huh. Social media, Facebook, all of that. Dumb it down is basically what they're yes. saying. Bring it to your level. Bring it to the lowest common denominator. Yes. Who is the, pretty much, not to sound bad, the, the least intelligent of the people that we are trying to get to. Let's bring it to their level yep. so that they can understand it. Because if they can understand it, then the smartest Then everybody well. can understand it. So, and that's it. The art of propaganda consists precisely in being able to awaken the imagination of the public through an appeal to their feelings and finding the appropriate psychological form that will arrest the attention and appeal to the hearts of the national masses. And I want to stop you right there because this is really the key to the whole yes. thing. And this is what you find when you get in... When we're called conspiracy theorists and when we're called crazy and all this... And we get into, we want to get in, or somebody wants to get into a debate with me or you or whatever. It always hinges on feelings. When you present facts to people who are based on feelings, they can't deal with it. No. And they will, they will either sidestep, skirt the issue, shut it down, or whatever, because feelings are way, way more deep than looking at actual facts. That can be boring. 
People mm-hmm. don't like to look at facts, facts, figures, stats, things that will back you up. They're not interested in that. It's how does it how do I feel about it? And if if they can attack, change, manipulate your feeling, my feelings, they've got you. And, and that's so true. I mean it's one of those things not to sound bad, but if you you do you watch any of the like AGT or, you know, America's Got Talent, all those weird ones. Um, I, I watched the very, very first season of, um, I don't know, one of them yeah. with my daughters. And I realized immediately this is a joke. It is. It is. Uh, my wife loves uh, AGT, so we'll watch it occasionally. But the one thing that drives me nuts is you'll watch someone who has real talent. And they're like, yeah, no, you're probably not right for us. And then somebody right after them has very little to no talent, but they have a story. Right, and they'll hype them up. That pulls at your heartstrings, and you're like, but they have no talent. And I don't know if that just makes me a horrible person because I'm like, no, they because have Because no if talent. this is a talent competition, it yeah. should be based on the talent. And a lot of them you'll find that it's the, it's the story that gets them through. And that's what Hitler's writing about. He's saying, you know, we need something that's going to tug at the heartstrings. So part of the other stuff, he says, the broad mass of the people are not made up of diplomats or professors of public jurisprudence nor simply of persons who are able to form reasoned judgment in given cases, but a facilitating crowd of human children who are constantly wavering between one idea and another. The great majority of a nation is so feminine in its character and outlook that its thought and conduct are ruled by sentiment rather than by sobering reasoning. Yeah, and then he goes on and says, The sentiment, however, is not complex, but simple and consistent. It is not highly differentiated, but has only the negative and positive notions of love and hatred, right and wrong, truth and falsehood. So essentially what he's saying is we're going to break down everything to the simplest form. We're going to appeal to your senses, your feelings, and we're going to bring it down to a I'm either for it or against it. There's no yes. there's no middle ground. There's no uh there's no alternative to this. It is this is it. How do you feel about it? Yes or no? Damn the facts. I don't know if you, if, if any of you listen to Ben Shapiro, he has a great saying: he says, uh, "Facts don't care about your feelings." I don't care how how you feel about Ben Shapiro. That's a great slogan. That is because it truly is these days, and propaganda is all about feelings. It's all about simplicity. It's all about bringing something that's very complex down to. Uh, a very simple thing and playing on your emotions. You can see it in commercials. You can mm-hmm. see it when you go, like, when you go to buy something and you look at the packaging or the advertising or the whatever, like, nobody cares. Like, let's say I want to go buy, I'm buying a computer. Most people aren't sitting there and reading the specs of the computer, right? The, no. You don't want to come. You, you're not going to watch a, com, a commercial where the guy says, "This is an IBM S2 and it has a 5G2543 processor and it's got a, you know, a, a two symmetric screen." Nobody's watching that. But if you watch, and they're like, "Hey, this is going to make your life much better. You're going to be oh so happy. It's going to everything's la di da and and it fits right into your life." That's an emotional appeal. Yes. And it may be a piece of crap, but because the people on the commercial are happy and they're at the park and they're, you know, they're using it at school and they're also using it everywhere and it's just so wonderful, uh, you're go- more likely to go that route than the dry, boring one where the guy's actually telling you what's in the computer. Yeah, because nobody cares. No, everyone's, it's all about... I've had, co- I've had workers like this. When I, when I was managing a demolition company, I had to fire one of our, our mechanics because... He was more worried about looks than function. And I'm like, I don't care how pretty it is. Right. Is it going to work for what I need it to but do? We do we do this with our cars. You know, cars become a status of yeah. cars not it used to be like it used to be form followed function. Now it's function follows form. Yes. Right? How does it look? We don't give a damn what it does, and hopefully it does it okay, but does it look cool? Does it make me appear cool here's another one Here, here's another quote from the from mind comp uh, a little passage also this in the same vein yeah this is uh this is obviously hitler writing and he says propaganda must not investigate the truth objectively wow just that statement right there yeah Propaganda must not investigate the truth objectively. Where do we hear this? We hear this in our own media right now. 
don't dig around. Just trust yeah. us. We've already done all the fact checking and We've everything. Done the research. Yeah, we don't don't worry is. about it. We got it. We we're, we're good for you. Uh, so he says uh, also, and in so far as it is favorable to the other side, present it according to the theoretical rules of justice. Yet it must present only that aspect of the truth which is favorable favorable to its own side. So only pile on the facts, even if they're small. Even if it's very few, even if you're making it up, pile on the facts of your side while completely ignoring the other. And we've seen this all throughout COVID. Yeah. All, if you dare to go step outside the line, banned from social media, banned from any conversation, you were a denier. You are still a denier. You're a, a vaccine denier, COVID denier, on and on. If, if you dared question any of it you were kicked off of facebook kicked off of twitter and i'm talking not just average people but doctors yes series of doctors groups of doctors were just completely erased and if you had anything that was logical that went against what they were saying it was like you were, you were a horrible person so right now i'm seeing a lot of things of um they've had i think it's 11 firefighters from the the building collapse in florida right that have tested positive for covid19 and there's a whole bunch of people on one of the threads I saw that were like, well, weren't they wearing their, their masks and their, their respirators? Unless they're actually wearing the SCBAs, which yeah, doesn't has, matter. provides their error, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, so it goes on. It says, the receptive powers of the masses are very restricted, and their understanding is feeble. <laughs> which we just talked about with the, right there with the mask. Which that you, is what they've done. They've yeah. made it to made people believe that these masks and everything else through propaganda mm -hmm. can do what they can't. Goes on. On the other hand, they quickly forget such. And we see that right now. Yes. Crazy. I mean, what's the news cycle on something like 40 seconds, two minutes, like three minutes? Uh, such being the case, all effective propaganda must be confined to a few bare essentials. And those must be expressed as far as possible in stereotyped formulas. These slogans should be persistently repeated until the very last individual has come to grasp the idea that has been put forward. That's why I talk about Mockingbird Media. Every change that is made in the subject of a propagandist message must always emphasize the same conclusion. The leading slogan must, of course, be illustrated in many ways and from several angles, but in the end, one must always return to the assertion of the same formula. So what we have here, they treat you like sheep, dumb it down, pound it, pound it, pound it, come from several angles, always have the same message, eliminate any and all um, opposition, tell you you're stupid, or you're, you're, you're out to lunch, or you're not with the program if you dare question it. And pretty soon you have everybody on board. And we see this today. We see this in our country, all over the world, yeah. but primarily in the U.S. It's been ramped up over the last, I'd say, two or three years like nobody's business. And that's one of the reasons we started this show is because we don't, and I don't want to, I don't like to just hammer down that everything is propaganda, but everything is propaganda. No, it is. It, it, and and when you when you do your own research and when you dig into these things and you realize that the bamboozling that's going on, it should frighten everybody. And and you we need to get to the bottom of what is it that they're covering up? What is it that they're doing? What is it that they're pushing that they don't want you to know the other side of? And that's the reality. And that, unfortunately, in Germany, what became what you know the propaganda that they used and what they were covering up was absolutely horrific. And we hope it never happens again in the world, which is why it's important to stay on top of it because yeah. this stuff can and may happen again. And it has happened under other regimes. We've talked about it. Baby Doc, Paul Pot, yep. right currently under the, the, the Chinese, you know, the CCP, they've got the Uyghurs in, in concentration camps and work camps and sterilizing them. Nobody bats an eye, you know, because, hey, 
they're good business people and we like Chinese products. But so where does this all come in? Where does the occult come in on this? Um, there's a few parts. Yeah. Really. I mean, it's that's what I found fascinating about this because that's where we're at, right? We're we're really looking and and trying to dive into sort of how the occult influenced what the Germans, what the Nazis specifically were doing. Yeah. And in my in this great book, Hitler's Monsters, there's there's actually a, a, a almost an entire chapter on it. And I'm not going to read it all, but I'll just give you the skinny. Let me ask you a question. Because we've seen the demographics of those of you who listen to the show. And I, I, I know a lot of you don't remember like when the newspaper was the driving force of the news. But when I was young, even up even through high school and stuff... The news, and we still have newspapers, but hardly anybody reads them. But it, everybody, everybody read the paper. And in the newspaper and in a lot of popular magazines and stuff, there was always a section where there was the crossword, there was some sort of like a Mensa test. It was, you know, it was, these were all designed to make people feel smart and, and to challenge them. And in, and there was a trivia section, and these were all under the same uh, on the same page. And then there was the horoscopes, and the horoscopes were in every paper every day. They were in magazines such as like People, um, TV Guide. It was a big thing. The horoscopes were all over the place. They were yeah. prominent. They would even come out like if you're checking out at the grocery store, there would be a magazine for you know your sign for every day that month. It was everywhere. And people would read these and you know I, I occasionally I would you know you check them out of curiosity or whatever and then it dawned on me it's like, well if if I'm born on this day, Everybody in the world, this is going to, because it would say something stupid like, you're going to, you know, you're going to, like a fortune cookie type thing. Yeah. You're, you're going to, a surprise visitor will come today and bring you, you know, great joy and riches or whatever. And you're like, really, everybody born during this time period, that's all going to happen around the world today? Like, but we personalize this stuff. And it became a big thing. Well, that didn't just start here. As we talked about in Germany during the early parts of, you know, as the, as the Nazi party was rising, as Germany was changing, the occult was a big thing. They had all the parlor, um, you know, seances going on and, and all the, the, the levitation of tables and you had madams, you had you know, crystal balls. It was, it was a big thing over there. Well, Go, uh, Goebbels, Goebbels, he caught on to this. And when the Nazis took over all of the, the medium, like radio, newspaper, films, everything, he brought in, he brought in all these uh, astrologists and, uh, the, and diviners, they call them diviners, and sat them all down and said, this is what I want. And so... Through the because he, there was a, it was like one of the most popular features in the paper and on radio then, and so he told them what he wanted, and what he wanted them to find in their stars or however they they do the astrology, and they started using astrology, dripping it into the astrology first, uh, Nazi propaganda. So as people would read the paper. And they like, I don't want to read, you know, the, I don't want to read the heavy stuff. I'm just going to go over here to the fluff stuff. Yep. I'm going to go do my crossword. Well, all the crosswords, all the trivia, and the primarily the horoscopes were all used as propaganda to push Nazi ideology. The Nazis, our government would never do that. Not our government. No, our government never would never do that. No, 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 no. That would that that would never happen. Never. And then there was a couple of them who kind of caught on to it, and so they um, they they stopped because he was you know 
he was the head of propaganda, the Ministry of Propaganda, but that, that didn't mean everything crossed his desk. And he caught wind that a few of them kind of decided not to put that out anymore, immediately killed them and brought new ones in and said, this is your job. Uh, and the weird thing is he just didn't hire people. He actually yeah. did hire those who claimed to be astrologists and uh, these diviners. And a lot of the diviners, they're the ones who had the divining rod. They yep. would hold it in their hand, and they would put like a piece of paper out with words on it, and the rod would go almost like a Ouija board. Yeah. And the rod would move around. and they write then, words. And then, yeah, yeah, and then they'd write down yeah. the sentence. Yep. And, oh, magically it all was pro-Hitler uh, and anti-Jew and anti-anybody you know, um, anybody that, that Goebbels didn't want. And so because he was so involved in the, let's just say, the occult side of this, and he was fascinated by this, that he brought them in because... They started doing a really good. People were starting to buy into this stuff. They were really starting to buy into it, and they were noticing a change. And they had a uh, they had several radio programs where they would read off horoscopes, and they mm -hmm. noticed everybody was was dialing in for that. And so then he moved several of them over into where they were writing scripts for the radio dramas, which was a big thing back then. There was we didn't have TV. Yeah. Back then, there was no TV, so everybody gathered around and would listen to radio dramas or radio comedies. So they would bring this in, and we alluded to this earlier. All the jokes were anti-Jewish or anti-whoever uh, they didn't like, mostly the Jews. Mostly. Every joke was anti. So they, they created the scenario through comedy, through drama, through horoscopes, through where the average person was. And they turned, because at the, at the time, most Germans didn't have any problem with these people. No. They, they, they worked alongside them. They went to their shops. They lived next door. And it was through this turning that a, most of the population of Germany flipped and started going, oh, man, I didn't realize this about them. Sad thing is we're seeing that now, only it's not a, it's not a race. It's, it's race rather than a group of people, right? It's not a nationality. Now they're trying to drive the wedge between black and white or white and everybody else here in the United States. And we're seeing a lot of that. Well, yeah, because, I mean, if you can divide the people, they can't rise against you. It's a lot easier to deal with, you know, a group, if you can split the group down the middle and say, I'm just going to deal with the left half today and the right half tomorrow. Right. Well, I thought it was interesting that there was actually uh, this occult connection to it. And also, one of the things they really relied on, too, was folklore. Because the uh, they were really big. The Germans really love... And even to this day, they love folklore. They love yes. folk stories. They love... So what they did was they started making up Folklore. Well, of course. I mean, they started making up. They started making up where the Germans came from. They started making up where the Jews came from. No. They started making up that you know, like if you crossbred, that that's where the gays came from. Uh, and like uh, they hated the Slavs. You know, the Slavs were the the. They weren't quite as bad as the Jews, but, but they, were getting there. they were getting there. They they were they were more responsible for just basically muddying the water. Uh, the Jews were just awful. From there was no redemption. They were they were dogs. They were vampires. They were they were less than dogs. Yeah, they were they were horrible, uh, gays. Um, and then, it, but see, here's the danger. That's dangerous enough, obviously. And and we're we're at a point in our country where we're gonna have to be really careful about this demonizing of certain groups whether it be the whites or whether it be white males or whether it be straights or you know whoever because there is a demonization going on in the United States a big one uh, it, 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 yeah the division that's going on is not healthy it's really really bad and it, a lot of it goes back to this but what they did was they started with that and they turned everybody on that group right so there were a lot of subgroups so there were your nor your average germans and there were your you know hardcore SS group, and then there were, 
you know, there, but they all came together sort of under this coalition against that group. Well, once that group was gone, essentially, that machine can't be turned off. Then it starts turning in on itself. And that's where you had them going after Jews who they thought were too weak, or, or I'm sorry, Germans who they thought were, that were too weak, Germans who they thought were defective, Germans who weren't you know, as um, bought into the system. It becomes a real danger. And you think you're safe, but you're not. The only way you're safe is if you're in the party. And that's one of the worst feelings in the world. To feel that you're safe and to think you're safe and then suddenly realize you're not. And that's why we do this, because it's really up to us to find out the information that's out there, disseminate the information, bring it into a personal space, and then, and then make, my own make our own decision. I make my own decision. And I don't base it on any other group. I base it on myself. And then if I branch out slightly, it's just maybe my family. But I don't, I'm looking to, I'm looking for self preservation, you know, to preserve myself. Yeah. I'm looking to preserve my family. And then I branch out from there. Yes, I, I love my country. You know, I, I want my state to be, I want my city to be great. I want my state to be great. I, and I want to be a part of that. But if it really comes down to it, down, down to it, it's a, it's, and it, it, not to be narcissistic, but it's about me. Yeah. And it's about you, you know, and it's about your, your circle of friends that you, uh, that you connect with, that you want to see persevere and, and move forward and, and survive. And that did happen in Germany. There's some really, some amazing stories, but there's also really some awful sad stories. There was a oh, yeah. really sad story I read about this group, and they were Germans. And they didn't buy the propaganda. Uh, in fact, one of them was an officer, and he quit. And he took his family. There were probably like 25, right? And they went out into the woods, way out into the woods, and started a little community and lived off the land. They, they did, and they would only light fires at certain times just, just so as to not bring attention to yeah. themselves. So let them know you're there. Well, there was, um, <laughs> there was a prisoner who was escaping from one of the gulags. That never happened. And was running out, running through the fields, running through the forest, and came across them. And they, you know, they, they, they helped him, brought him, back to, um, brought him back to health, and said, yeah, hey, go this way, and you'll be safe. Well, he got picked up by the guards, and they are like, where'd you get the new clothes? Where did you get the, uh, and he was like, oh, there's a group back there. Swooped in, got killed them all, and they had lived for like five years like that. Wow. So you never know when you're safe. You never know when it's going to, you know, when it's going to catch up to you. And that's why I think it's important that we stay on our toes, that we do our research, that we look into these topics and make sure everything's, you know, on the up and up, especially with propaganda. And the other thing with propaganda and the and the Nazis and the Germans is. They were really big into leaflets. Pa the newspaper, flyers, they would, they would post stuff on doors. They would hand them out at bus stops, train stations. They littered it everywhere. So the amazing thing is when the, so when the Allies came in to counter this, yeah. they would fly over and drop leaflets. And they tried to smuggle leaflets in like across the border and have them hand them out to kind of counter the other leaflets and stuff. We don't... It's a whole different ballgame nowadays. So it's now yeah. all social media. It is. I mean, and that's really what social media is. I mean, it's, you know, like you said, they'd come in and just drop leaflets out of a plane, basically. Yeah. Well, or try to smuggle them in yeah, and, smuggle and, them and, and have people you hand them out. Put them on Facebook. Yeah. And we hear about this. We hear about how, oh, the Russians, in, you know, they, they're always trying to meddle with the election or they're, 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 they're prevalent on, on Facebook and... Uh, or the Chinese is always messing with this or that or the other thing. Everybody learned from the Germans. On, that's why they're doing this. Mm -hmm. uh, the U.S. does it. We've meddled in elections. This idea, no. this idea that it's some new nefarious thing that the that the that the 
Russians are doing or that the Chinese are doing and all this stuff. That's that is not true. And I wouldn't even say that the Nazis were the first. I'm sure other groups did it, but they were the first to perfect it. They it was a mass experiment on their own people, which is why I preach you have to be aware. You don't think your government's going to do it. Look up in Canada. Look what's going on up in oh, Canada. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Canada and even in England, a lot of these places where they there is no alternative to the state-run media. You got the CBC up there. You don't have really independent uh, channels up there. Same thing in England, same thing in Ireland. And so what's being put out, you you're trust you're basically trusting them to tell you the truth. It's like being in a cult. It really is. You're hearing one message, you're hearing one side, and if you dare question it, well how wait, how can you question the BBC? They've been around for so long. Like here, CNN. You know, they're the harbingers of truth. It's the most trusted news, you know, in in the world. Like, according to who? To them. Uh, who? Who? What survey? Show me the proof that you're the most trusted. Because I don't trust you. I don't trust Fox either. I, it's, this isn't like a right or left thing. This is a this is a truth thing. And it's it's about getting to the truth and cutting through all of this, cutting through all this noise. It is tough. That's why I think it's really interesting that they brought the like this occult arena into it and we're using this because I yeah, as a Christian I think that there are dark, darker forces that can be called upon to make it a stronger message to blind the people. And you've got to you've got to be on guard for that. I as somebody who's maybe not as not as prone to that thought what what are your thoughts on that? On do you think there's do you think with the Nazis bringing in all these occult you know ideologies and you know all the crazy stuff that they did on the backside to create the SS, trying to capture all these these the, I'll just say dark energies. Yeah. Do you think I, it made it more powerful to the people? I think in some ways because I think I think it's one of those things that um, like we said earlier, Hitler was was not stupid. Um, he, he had a good idea of how to read people, and I think it comes back to what we've talked about before, where the Nazis took a little bit of each piece to create Nazi, you know, really the belief of the Nazis. So they went through the occult and said, okay, I'm going to steal this here, this here, this here, this here. So when they were bringing, presenting it to the people, there's a familiarity to it, no matter who you're talking to. Right. There'd be a familiarity to Catholics, there's a familiarity to the, you know, the gypsies, everything else. So it was a lot easier to get people and suck them in because of the fact that it's familiar. We like familiar. As humans, it's human nature to like the familiar. So if you throw someone that that's familiar, they're much more likely to follow along. By the time they realize it's not familiar, it's too late. Here was another, uh, and we'll wrap things up on this this was another thing and that doesn't really have anything to do with the occult side of things but definitely the propaganda i i found this this floored me and i'm still trying to get to the bottom of it but there's a book by larry roth called the nazi account and in this book he asserts that in 1933 hitler hired a major new york city pr firm called carl Bioren and Associates to portray Nazi Germany in a positive light to an American audience. Awesome. The nation exposed Nazi propaganda in America and revealed that the agency was paid six thousand per month to favorably influence media and public perception of Nazi Germany. The book details and independent research confirms that the employees were paid significant fees to spend for German tourism railroads. And we're uh, confident that it would succeed. How about that? It's nuts. So during, in 1933, not only did we have Ford, uh, J.P. Morgan, and several uh, IBM all working, all providing material to the Nazis, no. getting paid. Now we have, uh, and I again, I got to get to the bottom of this. Is this is just one article? I haven't done a ton of research on it. However, based on this article and based on this book by Larry Roth, he's asserting, and apparently he has some stuff to back it up, 6000 a month back then 
to influence the U.S. in a positive light for Germany. 6000 a month. Well, and I, did it work? I, did, I mean, I wasn't around then. I don't, I don't know when, you know, because, again, it was all radio. It was all... And, and, and I, from what I understand, a lot of the German atrocities were not discovered till after the fact. Well, and, and I, that's very true, because I think a lot of it is because a lot of it was wrecked in the war. Right, but it wasn't World until the help. U.S. soldiers went in and discovered all the ovens and all the concentration camps and, and just the piles yeah. of shoes and bones and everything. So as it was going on, I don't know what the – I mean, I know, I know the U.S. – it took us a while to get into the war. I think it was a couple of years. Yes. When we finally were like, okay, we'll come over there. Uh, be, and it was mostly on the fact that they were trying to take over every country. But I don't think we knew of the atrocities that were going on. No. Because I think we would have jumped in sooner, in my opinion. I mean, really, the only reason we jumped into is, I mean, because we were attacked. Yeah. If yeah. Japan hasn't, if Japan hadn't attacked us, they would have had a much better chance of sweeping their way across. Europe. Which, which we believe our government allowed happen. Which yeah, there's a lot of evidence that they turned a. They knew it was coming. Because we, we've mentioned it turned before, a blind eye. The original pilot for this. Was me, you, and Puddin, and we did. We went down that that we thought that, you know, the Pearl Harbor was an inside job. A lot of proof to it, and there is a lot. There's of proof. a lot of proof a to lot. the fact that they knew it was coming. They had a heads up, and they the they knew that the that the general population was very anti going back going back into a war because World War One had devastated the economy and everything, but. You know, the U.S. They're some war. They're war hawks, and they the the government wanted to go in, and they let that happen, and which drug us in. So I don't know. We may have to revisit that at some point. But well, yeah. I mean, you know, eventually. Anyway, a lot of propaganda from the a Germans, lot. and that's that's definitely a rabbit hole. We encourage you to go down. There's there's a lot there. Um, There's a lot of videos, but I highly recommend German. I highly recommend. Yeah, that's the problem. We didn't want. We could have played all kind of stuff because it's visual, but it's visual. We're not a visual show. But I highly recommend you look up Jordan Peterson Nazi propaganda. Jordan Peterson is a professor up in Canada. He he has done entire um, classes and and work studies uh, on this, and he has amazing. Old footage films, old posters. Uh, so if you look up Jordan Peterson, Nazi propaganda, or just you know look, go to YouTube or Rumble or any of those. Type in old Nazi propaganda. You'll see the the reels, the um, the posters, the flyers, the handouts, the radio broadcasts, and and most of them are all um, have subtitles, so you get nice. the gist. But it is crazy how they uh, cartoonishly portrayed everyone they hated, how it started subtle and then got more and more, and then it infiltrated everything. It infiltrated the books, like we talked about, the books, the programs, all the way, all the way down into the horoscopes. And that's how, you, that's how you flip a society, and that's why, again, I always say you've got to you you you've got to have your own thoughts. You yes. can't. You just can't. And, and if it's look, I'm so against groupthink, and I know sometimes it's I'm probably more than I should be. But if there's something going on that's group thought, groupthink, and pile on, I immediately alarm bells go off, and I think something's wrong here, and I got to get to the bottom of it. And sometimes I find out that eh, it's you know it's true, but more often than not, I realize. Uh, th- this is a movement. Somebody's trying to move people in a di- in a direction that they want them to go to that they obviously wouldn't have gone otherwise. Yeah, and that's what happened here. And so, anyway, hey, again, here in the U.S., Happy Fourth of July. A couple Fourth. of days ago, hey, Happy Canada Day, and whatever wherever else you're in the world, I hope everything's going well for you. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can always. Email us at downtherh at protonmail.com. I'll be with you on Wednesday for the midweek show, and uh, we'll be back next week. Yeah. 
And if there's, like we've said all the time, if there's anything you want to hear, email us, you know, like you said, down the RH at protonmail.com. Let us know what you want to hear. Um, yeah, we've got a list, but we'd love yeah. to add to it because this, when we're done with this, we're going to go into some, you know, single show uh, episodes where we're just going to go down the rabbit Hopefully hole. some happy ones. On some, on some crazy stuff. And uh, I some good cons- the- I'd like a really good conspiracy theory. We haven't had I one do, for a I while. I do. I do. I want to go on one about the Care Bears, though, because I mean, after after Mangala, I need I need some caring. Because <laughs> yeah, whoa, some Care Bear stare. Are the Care Bears satanic? Uh, I think so, actually. But that, that actually, that's a whole different deal. That is a whole other yeah. <laughs> see, there's a whole other. See, we could turn the Care Bears into a, yeah, which they can. There is a theory on that one, but yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm Big D. I'm Brandon. And we're out of here. Have a great week.